John chapter 21, verses 15 to 25. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple who Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I, wanted, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said that if I want him to, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to uh, Lord's Love Church. It's great to be with you guys this morning and be able to worship God uh, together and hope that you guys had a good week. Um, this week is surprisingly so great with the sunshine and hopefully you guys been able to get out there and have some fresh air. And I know definitely I did and I enjoyed this week a lot, uh, being able to walk a bit and go for runs. So hopefully uh, you also had a good time as well. Uh, for those of you who are new with us today, my name is Howard. I'm the youth pastor here at this church. I just want to say welcome and uh, glad that you are here uh, joining with us uh, this morning. And uh, this morning, it is my joy uh, to be sharing uh, God's word with you all. Uh, just a couple, just a recap that we started uh, the on the post-resurrection stories uh, when Jesus met with his uh, disciples. Last week, Pastor Doug talked about how Jesus met with uh, Thomas. And the big idea from that was when Jesus emerges, the story reverses. So the story of fear turns into a story of courage. And the story of unbelief turns into a story of confidence. And a story of our sins and uncertainty can be turned into something great and powerful because of what Jesus can do. And today, we are looking at a special moment when Jesus interacted with Peter and restored him from his past mistakes and failures. But before I start, uh, please join me in, in praying. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. 
we thank you, God, that we get to meet together and worship you and to hear your word. God, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your forgiveness in our lives, God. And we're so thankful for that. Lord, we lift up uh, your word this morning, Lord. Uh, we're here. We're here to listen to your word. So may your Holy Spirit be here to speak to us, to reveal your truth through your word, God. Uh, and may we have a heart uh, that will accept your word and be willing to uh, live out in obedience and in faith, Lord. So God, we thank you for uh, this morning, and, and uh, we're looking forward to hearing your word. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. <clears throat> the question I want to ask you guys uh, this morning is, uh, when was the time when you were trying to do something right and you failed, but yet you have received grace from others? Or a time when someone failed you but you showed grace to them. Uh, at uh, 16 years old, I had my learners. Um, it was the beginning of it. And I remember I was driving my dad uh, to Richmond so that we can play tennis together with his friends. It's one of those rare moments because uh, my dad plays on a Monday, used to play on a Monday night, uh, late at night. So I wouldn't be able to go out. But that one time he allowed me and it was great. And so I uh, uh, imagine with me, all right? So for those of you who can memorize the map of Vancouver or like have the GPS in your mind, just imagine with me, right? So I'm on 41st waiting to turn left onto Knight Street heading south to Richmond. Now I was waiting there to turn left. I was the second car waiting to turn left. Um, and so when the, when the red light came, the oncoming traffic car ran a red, which caused the car in front of me to turn uh, late. And so I couldn't go, I was stuck. So I put the gear into reverse. And I backed up, but I forgot to switch it back to the drive mode. And guess what happened next? I stepped on the gas pedal and the car went backwards and smashed the car behind me. Airbags came out. I'm just messing around. It didn't happen. I almost hit the car. And you guys may have thought that that happened, but by God's grace, <laughs> that did not happen but just put yourself in my shoes for a sec. At 16 years old, you're learning to drive and that happened. You almost caused a car accident. And I can't even say that it's a regular rookie mistake because that is not normal. And I would just call it an abnormal rookie mistake. It's something that I can't imagine I, I was able to pull up, but I did. And I was scared and I was obviously also angry at myself. I'm like, how could I pull something off like that? And, uh, I remember when it's my turn to go, I turned and then as soon as I turned left, I went straight and I pulled over to the side because I'm like, I'm not fit to drive. <laughs> no way I'm fit to drive, I almost caused an accident. And then my dad asked me why. To my surprise, that was a big surprise. I'm like, I, I told my dad, I'm like, I almost hit the car behind me. I, like, I'm not fit to drive. And he's like, so that's okay. That was a mistake, you learn from it. Just keep driving and that's how you're going to learn and grow and become a better driver and he was right at that moment i was angry and i thought my dad would be angry at me as well and deemed me as the worst driver in the world but he did it he gave me room to grow gave me room um to develop my skills and i became a better driver after that i was more encouraged by the way that he acted the way that he responded and the way that he treated me in the same way that's how God also treats us as well with his grace in our lives. The big idea for today, it's that God's restoration work leads us back to our life's purpose. 
all of us have a purpose in life that God has given us. But the thing is, our sins causes us to miss our life's purpose because it causes us to live in our way rather than in God's way. We choose what we want to do instead of what God wants us to do. But the thing is, the truth is that God is here to restore our life's purpose, just like how he was there to restore Peter's so that we can actually live a life that counts. So let's move on. Before we get into a text, just want to set up the, the context a bit. Before Jesus was with the disciples, he actually was uh, in the Sea of Galilee, uh, by the Sea of Galilee where the disciples were actually fishing. Um, and then they weren't able to fish. And then Jesus told them, like, put your net down, which is like fishing 101. Like, you can't catch fish, put your net down, and then fish will come up. Um, so that's what Jesus did. Uh, and then miraculously, a bunch of fish came, and then they had to get out of the boat to pull it back onto shore. And at that point, they realized that it was Jesus talking to them. So it was great. They had breakfast. And after breakfast, this is where we are at, where Jesus was talking to Peter directly one-on-one. So in this post-resurrection moment, when Jesus met with Peter, we see that Jesus's love and grace, when he actually was intentional about meeting Peter. Why? Because there was still unfinished business and Jesus still wanted to restore Peter, even though he failed many times. So what does this, his resurrection look like, restoration look like? The first step is that God intentionally meets us where we are at. The key word is intentional, being intentional, is purposeful. That the God that we serve and worship is relational, that he is a God of love, that he cares about us, and that he is willing to meet us, and he's intentional about it. And even God is present with us today, right here, right now. And this was the one-on-one -on -one moment. So let's go into the verse. So when... So here, Jesus talking to Peter. When they have finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. Do you know that I love you? Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, be my sheep. So the first question that Jesus asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The question is, what or who are these? Okay, so is it more than fishing, more than the boats and the fishing gear, or more than loving the disciples? But as we see in this context right here that P Jesus was still in the group with his disciples, and he only, he was just talking to Peter alone. So we... So, the, so this clearly implies that these means the disciples. So in other words, Jesus was asking, do you love me more than the other disciples love me? And Peter said, yes, which was followed by Jesus's command and instruction to feed my lambs. And as Simon read 
the passage earlier uh, that Jesus changes the word uh, lamb to sheep. And we want to focus here and suggest that perhaps the word lamb here suggests new believers in the faith, those who have not matured yet. So the first step that Jesus was saying is like to feed those, to provide for those who are new in their faith. The second time, Jesus asked the same question. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter answers, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. The two differences here. First, this time it's the same question, but without more than these. So in other words, Jesus was more direct. So Jesus went from lamb to sheep because he wants to talk about believers in general. He wants to talk about how he wants to commission Peter to care pastorally for those who believe, believe in and belong to Jesus. And the whole time that he wants Peter to provide spiritual nourishment. The point is that Peter's faithfulness and love must be demonstrated first in his love for Jesus, in his declaration, and then in his willingness to follow Jesus' command to care for his flock. It has to come through his action as well. So things are going well, all right? So, so Jesus asked two times. Now the third time, all right? Simon, son of John, do you love me? At this point, Peter was hurt, but he still answers, Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. The question is, why was Peter hurt? Was it because he thought Jesus wasn't satisfied with his previous answer? Or was it because he thought that Jesus didn't believe him? The point is this, that when Jesus asked Peter the third time, it reminded him of his denial towards Jesus three times. If you guys remember that Peter was famous for, um, uh, he was well known for denying Jesus three times. In other words, Peter at that moment remembered his failure, how he failed to follow Jesus to love him and how he wasn't there to stand for Jesus like he proclaimed that he would. So let's step back for a sec. Let's look at right here where Peter was convicted, where he was also hurt. And let's look at us in our lives as well. What about us in our situations with our failures? Personally, what do you feel when you were confronted with your failures? Was it guilt? Was it shame? Was it sadness? Was it sorrow? Was it pain? Have you sometimes in your heart felt like these failures or mistakes define who you are after you messed up, that it define who you are, even though you know the truth that you're not? The battle for us as followers of Christ is when our heart, what we feel and experience isn't aligned with what we know in our minds, the truth, and it's separated. That's the hardest part. That's why even though we might know that we aren't defined by our sins, that we can't help but feel and experience hurt, guilt, shame, and sorrow. And that's why Jesus came for you and for me. because. 
God's restoration is greater than our failures. In other words, when God restores, we flourish because our failures no longer define who we are. Get that. That God's restoration is so much bigger and greater than what we, uh, than with our sins. But to experience God's restoration means we live in obedience. So now, question is, why did we look at Peter first? Why he was hurt? Now we're going to look at Jesus. Why did Jesus ask Peter the same question three times? You know, was it because Jesus wanted to mess around with Peter? Was it because Peter was hard of hearing? Or was it because Jesus didn't trust Peter and wanted to make sure he actually loved him? Get this, guys. The main reason Jesus asked the same question three times wasn't just to remind Peter of his failures, but to lead him into repentance by providing an opportunity for Peter to express his love for Jesus again, followed by a commission to Peter. So yes, Jesus was there to convict Peter, to remind him of how he messed up three times, but yet Jesus asked the same question three times as an opportunity to provide a platform for Peter to repent, to turn away from his sins and to re-express his love for Jesus again which he wasn't able to before, but now he had the opportunity to do so. And this is what I meant by unfinished business. Jesus didn't forget Peter. Jesus still remembered Peter and he approached Peter and went to meet him intentionally. And yes, we know about the, the three denials. So let's look at some of the moments which led to that. We got to remember some of Peter's failures so that we can really, really see and appreciate God's restoration. First of all, Peter wasn't as wise as he thought he was. Matthew 26, verse 33, Jesus predicted that the disciples would fall away, okay? And Peter replied, okay, just, just keep in mind, this was a group of disciples with Jesus right now, okay? So there's like everyone, and in front of everyone, okay? Jesus like, you know what? Everyone's gonna fall away, but in front of everyone, Peter replied, even if all fall on account of you, I will never. Can you imagine how awkward it must have been for the disciples? Yo, Peter, what, what, what are you doing? <laughs> and, and Peter had the guts and, and, and the brave heart to be like, yeah, like if these guys fall, I will never. But, little, but you see, Jesus at that time already predicted. Second time. In John chapter 13, verse 36 and 37, Peter asked Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow, but you will follow later. Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Bold statement, Peter. Okay, so guys, just, just right here in, in this moment, imagine with me, okay? The question is, what was Jesus's expression or facial expression when he heard Peter say this? I can't help but imagine this is one of those face palm moments. Like, like when, when Peter said, like, I will lay down my life for you, Jesus like, cool. Thanks, Peter. Right? And, and it's like, Peter, you, you don't get it. 
And if we can put Jesus in this context, like he's here today in a group chat, what's that group chat? I can imagine like 10, 20, 30 to 100 face palms by Jesus and maybe the laughing emoji because he's like, you don't get it. And then Jesus replied, I love Jesus. When he replied, will you really lay down your life for me? Then Jesus at that point predicted, yeah, in fact, you're actually gonna deny me three times. And Jesus was right, as we all know, that Peter gave up his loyalty to Jesus for his own security. He was big with his words, but when that situation come, came and he was confronted, he backed out for his own security so that he can be safe. But despite the, 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 these situations, Jesus still loved Peter and allowed him to express his love again. Important observation. Even as Jesus was asking the same question, all right, do you love me? Peter, Peter actually couldn't lift out the kind of love that Jesus was expecting from him. Here's why. The word love, okay, to love, the verb to love actually had two different meanings in this part. There's agape, which is the divine self-offering, no strings attached, sacrificial love. The other one is phileo, which is a friendship type of love. So in Jesus' first two questions, he actually used agape. Jesus used agape while Peter answered with phileo. But in the third question and answer, uh, Jesus used phileo in that. So perhaps Peter was hurt, as we've mentioned, because he couldn't love Jesus back the way that Jesus was able to love others, that he couldn't return that favor to Jesus. All along, Jesus was asking Peter to sacrificially love him, telling him, while Peter kept responding with a friendship type of love. Again, Peter was probably hurt because Jesus had to come down to his level and use the word phileo that Peter knew he only, could only do. He knew that he couldn't do that, which to me, I believe is a sign of humility if we're comparing to Peter before how he, he acted so bold and brave, but now he's like, Jesus, I, I actually can love you sacrificially. And we see, we see in verse uh, 18 to 19, right? After feed my sheep, very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself. This is Jesus speaking and went where you wanted, but you are old and you stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. So yes, like right here, we see that after Jesus said the third time to feed um, my sheep, he already predicted how Peter's life is gonna end up. And it's gonna end up in death because Peter will be planting a church and preaching the gospel. So yes, it meant death, but it was all for the sake of proclaiming the gospel and loving Jesus in this way. And get this, at that point, Peter was willing to do that. He was willing because he had experienced Jesus's love and restoration. That even though he failed, just the fact that Jesus approached him one-on-one -on -one intentionally and restored him and gave him that platform to reestablish his love. 
that at that point, it didn't, death didn't matter to Peter anymore. He was willing. In fact, now he is on the move to, he was on the move to tell people about Jesus. After he's been restored, he went to go and tell people about Jesus so that they can be restored as well. So the final point is for this part is this, that Jesus interrogates Peter, not about the quality of his love, but about his willingness to demonstrate that love by keeping Jesus' command to take care of his flock. In other words, Jesus' main focus isn't that quality of the love. It's just if whether Peter has the heart for it. Peter, are you willing to follow me and, and obey my command? And Peter was good. He was good with it. And, um, you know, one last thing to mention, though, and it was also a teachable moment for Peter right here. So Peter said, yeah, he will follow. As Peter was about to follow Jesus, okay, he still had some misunderstanding. What was it? When Jesus calls, he should focus on his own faith and calling. The point for us is that we should be focusing on our walk with Jesus more than focusing on others. When God calls you, he is calling you. In other words, focus on what God tells you to do. In verses 20 to 21, Peter turned and said, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? So Peter was doing well, but he just had to look back and be like, what about him? And I love Jesus. It's like, if I want him to be alive, what does that matter to you? Why do you need to know? What's your reason to know? In other words, what Jesus is trying to say is, it's none of your business. Just focus on what I'm telling you to do and where I'm leading you to. Just focus on that. All Peter was told was to fix his eyes on Jesus and to quit looking behind him and around him. When God tells you to follow me, just follow him. In the same way for us as Christians, sometimes I think that we are more concerned by what other brothers and sisters are doing that we forget what we're called to do. Whether we are focusing or comparing on their success or failures, that somehow that sometimes we forget to take care of our own faith and we just put our eyes on other people what they are doing. And what right here, what Jesus is saying is focus on just following me. Now, here's the thing. This is not to say that we shouldn't care about other people's spiritual journey with Jesus because we are called to walk alongside with others to fellowship and to rebuke them when it's necessary. But when our energy and attention are mainly focused on that, then it will cause us to become more judgmental. The point is this, there's a time and place to look out for them. 
but our main focus is on our own faith and in our own walk and what God has caused to live and to focus in our purpose in our life. So quick recap, Jesus intentionally met Peter because his purpose was to restore Peter. God's heart and, is on love and grace and he wants to restore Peter's direction and purpose in life. So the question is why is Jesus still able to love and restore even though we fail? Because God's restoration is more about him than about us. That all along is about who God is and what he's all about. And it's all about his agenda and what he wants to do. Why do I say this? Oftentimes we feel sorrow and shameful about our sins too much that we forget how big and powerful God is. I've definitely been there before. I focus so much on the wrongdoings that I forget how loving God is. It's not bad to pay attention to our sins. Let me tell you this, because we are called to admit and confess our wrongdoings. But it is a problem when we focus 100% on our sins and failures. Because when we do that, we forget the ultimate love and goodness of our almighty God, who has already sent Jesus on earth to die for our sins so that we don't have to live with guilt and shame for the rest of our lives. And that's the point of Jesus coming so that we don't experience God's punishment and wrath and that we may be set free from it. So yes, sometimes it can, it can harm us. Our sins can harm us, can affect us, can make us feel more guilt. But at one point or another, we need to stop thinking so much about our mess up. We need to start putting our attention on God, on his restoration, on his love. That it's good to confess but our sins, but now let's look at what Jesus has already done for us. And the whole point is so that we don't need to feel this way, guys. So church, if, if, if you are still doubting God's love and grace, Perhaps you've been too focused on your mistakes and failures and you have forgotten our love of God. And it's time to shift your perspective, to shift your focus and your mind on him instead. Because his restoration is much greater than our failures. And God's restoration is all about him. It's none about us. It's about how great he is in the midst of our sinfulness and our brokenness. I want to highlight one more thing. I know I've been jabbing at Peter a bit, maybe too much, but I also want to highlight Peter's success. Did you know that, did you know that um, in the middle part of the book of Matthew, Jesus already commissioned Peter to further God's kingdom by planting churches. Let's read this together. Uh, Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 16, verse uh, 15 to uh, 18. So Jesus is asking his disciples, right? So what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? So after all the disciples in the beginning, there's other parts, uh, people answered. And then now it's like, what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This may be by far the smartest thing that Peter ever said or knew about Jesus. But he got it. He knew Jesus was the, is the Messiah. And Jesus replied, 
blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hate will not overcome it. Simon Peter, and then Jesus at that point changed Simon Peter into just Peter. And he's saying, you know what? Because you know my identity as the Messiah. I'm going to change your name to Peter. And on this rock, you will be the one to be starting the church. The thing is, you see, Jesus already knew that Peter down the road would deny him three times. But yet, Jesus still said, still commissioned Peter to go plant a church. Get that. He already knew. Jesus already knew what was going to happen. Yeah, he's saying, Peter, I want you to go start up a church. I want you to still proclaim the gospel. And so this is where the unfinished business comes in. Because from that point, Peter continued to fail. But after Jesus resurrected, he came back and he's saying, Peter, I want your story. You have failed, but that is okay. That your failures don't define you because of what I already have done. I already have conquered sin and death and you are set free from your past mistakes. And I'm here to take you back. And Peter, are you willing to follow me? Are you willing to follow me? Do you love me? You do. Go feed my, go feed my sheep. Your commission, your task, your role is still the same as before. It doesn't change. I still want you to do great things, to further my kingdom, to love me in this way, to take care of my people. Peter, I still want you. And that's what was at the heart of Jesus. Last point, the reason why Jesus was, it was so loving this way is because all along, Jesus is not about merit, but about the heart. Again, Jesus isn't looking at the quality of the love, but simply if we are willing to obey his commands. The question is, do you have the heart to follow him wholeheartedly? He's not asking you for the quality of your love. He's just simply asking, are you willing to follow me? And to follow him, despite of your failures, that's when you grow and further your faith and mature as you and your faith with him. So again, when God restores and when we experience this restoration, we flourish. And God reminds us of our life's purpose, that he gave it to us. And remember I said in the beginning, we forget that purpose because of our sins. But because of God's restoration, he turns it back around and reminds us of the purpose that he has given us. So there is hope, Lord's Love Church. There is hope, and it comes from Jesus. So though we get lost in life and we fail from living out our purpose, God restores our life's purpose. He puts us back in the right direction in our life. And he enables us to live a life that counts. So the question is, are you willing to fix your eyes on our almighty God, Jesus? Let's pray. Dear God, you are holy. You are sovereign. You know down the road about us, our ups and our downs. You know that we will fail, that we will sin against you. But God, we're so thankful for your love and your grace and your mercy in our lives. That though you know we fall, that you still choose to love us, to restore us and to put 
us back into the right direction in our lives so that we know the purpose and be able to live it out the way that you want us to do. So God, we're thankful for your Holy Spirit that though we can't see Jesus physically, that we can be guided to be empowered by the work of your Holy Spirit. So God, we thank you for your love. And so I just pray, God, that in times when we forget about the good news, that your spirit will soften our hearts to remember, God, that you are so much greater than our failures, that you restore us, that you still love us, and that we can still live a life that counts because you have given us that purpose. So we're thankful, God, for what you have been doing in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.